BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast, the number one dog training podcast in the whole universe. <laughs> um, this is an amazing podcast with an amazing uh, dog owner who is doing all the right things. So what happens when you do the, all, all the right things and you're still frustrated? You're still stressed. Things aren't working. That's It's such a good... I haven't looked at it at this angle. I don't think under any circumstance on any content I've ever put out. So yes, this is going to be talking about, about another reactive dog, but... It's going to be talking and going over what do you do when you've done everything right? What are the things that you can do? That's what this podcast is about. And I know that you guys are going to really benefit from it because like you guys know, there's certain clients that I work with that are easier easier for me to really do my job and help them through the process. And this is one of those clients, just really great. Um, so enjoy this podcast. And if you guys are listeners of this podcast, which obviously you are, that was kind of stupid to say, uh, I I answer three of your dog training questions at the end of every single podcast. So if you have a question for me specifically about you and your dog, and you want to ask me, or if you just want to leave a review to support us, you can leave your podcast in the iTunes review chart. If you're listening to this on Spotify, we would love the review as well. This is absolutely for free. We're also going to start posting the video formats of our podcast on Spotify as well. I have an amazing guest we're flying to Toronto to work with this weekend uh, to film another amazing podcast with a guest. I know you guys are going to love that. And don't forget, Australia, I'm coming next month and I am doing a seminar in December at the Upstate Canon Academy here in New York. And my brand new neutral, I'm sorry, my brand new reactive to neutral course, my reactivity course is now available as well. You'll hear me reference that a lot in this podcast. Everything is in the link in the description. Thanks for listening. Talk to you at the end. Okay, so no pressure, but I've been working hard at this for over a year and you are potentially my last resource. I don't know what to do if you can't help me. Um, okay. So the short of it is I have a three-year-old pity staffy mix. We rescued her a little over a year ago now. Um, the history on her was brief. She had some potential male aggression. It seemed like her owner was just trying to breed her because um, he ended up leaving her at the shelter. Um she has a scar on her back foot, potential dog bite. So I imagine that there could be something there. But I've been working with, I think I'm at three local trainers um, face-to-face working. I've had another phone consult with another well-known trainer and nothing's working. Um, 
I've been listening to your podcast and watching your YouTubes all year, um, a ton of reactive stuff. I listen to some of your most recent ones. Um, so I know I'm doing what I need to do and I need someone who is as smart as you to dissect like what missing piece or what part of our relationship is the problem. I know everyone always talks about, obviously it's the owner error for the most part, but I'm, I'm kind of at my, like my end. I don't know. I feel as though we have good boundaries and good structure. I want your feedback on maybe I need to tighten that up a bit. I work from home. Um, her and I are together all the time. So I don't know if it, this is boiled down to like a, a, a protective thing too. Um, the reactivity is almost all dogs, but it's extremely random reactivity towards people. Um, and then cars, she started reacting at cars like I'd say three months ago, I've been able to get her off of that. Um, I think I was chalking up the car reactivity to her prey drive. She's got an insane prey drive for sure. Um, I have a ton of feedback from trainers, if that's helpful for you to know. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, yeah, yes and no. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It's really about, I, I think the most important th for, thing for me is like knowing what worked and what didn't not necessarily what other opinions are on it. Um, so what going through the process of working on this for a year, what has been working and what has not been helping at all? So um, we started with slip leash with a sport dog e-collar. Um, that e-collar was shit. So we ended up trading it for the dog tra. Um I do love the Dogtra. She listens to it well, um, but then went from slip leash to a new trainer. We went to a 3.0 prong. Then he switched us to the 2.25. That's what we're currently using. Um, the problem with the prong, it works sometimes. She listens to it, but her threshold from loading to like 10 out of 10 red zone is so short that once she's gone, nothing's working. I can't obviously you disengage her with a prong. The e-collar seems to further amp her up. Um, until the trigger is gone, we're moving out of sight, then she disengages. Um, so it's just, I mean, for so long we've been avoiding triggers. Um, but it's yeah, the prong just wasn't worse. So then we switched over to, I went and talked to a positive reinforcement only, which I don't fully agree. And I've watched your videos on that and he's doing only slip leash. And his whole motto is powering through the trigger, trying to teach her that these are not scary things. Um, it worked with him when we were at a really busy place, but when I am with her outside of that, it doesn't work powering through the trigger. It just, it's sloppy. Um, there's also the choking aspect of the slip leash. It's always placed properly above her trachea, but it's still just very intense. Um, so that's also not working. Like it just, again, like where I'm, I know that I'm utilizing these tools correctly, um, I've w worked with these trainers enough and watched these videos. Like I know I'm not doing them incorrectly. The only thing that I could maybe speak about is timing, which again is just so tough because her window is so short. Mm -hmm. 
when she's reactive, what does it look and sound like? So I've seen two different aspects. She has the one that's more the majority of the time is lunging, um, barking. She's very vocal when she gets up to that point and just complete lunging. And like this morning we had a terrible encounter. A dog was across the street, not even in our bubble, but as soon as she noticed him, heard a little, like it was a small chihuahua that was also being very vocal. So it got her attention. She just would not get off of it until I continued to walk. It was sloppy lunging. It's just, it's almost, it's chaos. It's chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, uh, she's barking and, and is she like spinning, barking, redirecting, jumping up? Like how is she, what is she, what, like, what are the things that she's doing? No redirecting, no jumping up on me, kind of just a jumping out. I try to grab the slip leash to maintain head control and keep moving forward and it's almost nearly impossible she's got her back legs just in full go mode trying to get to the trigger it's not a submissive running away in these moments that's a very like i want to get to this yeah um i feel like she goes back and forth between the fight and flight Mm -hmm. i've seen her cower in moments of like a dominant jogger with their dog coming towards us she's then moved behind me to show submission but that's like, that's the minority of the situations for sure. Uh, we also had another really odd encounter, which I've up until this point <laughs> tried to have her back and saying she's not an aggressive dog. She's a super sweet dog. Her personality with us and my partner, like great. But we were at a, uh, a old baseball field recently and I've been trying to get her moments to just sniff and have time to be a dog and like down regulate. <clears throat> and she noticed a woman um, probably like 70 feet away from us, just minding her own business walking. And she took off to go in that direction. Um, and I couldn't get the long leash. It was about a 20 foot long leash. I couldn't get it raveled up in time. So she just ran to the end of it and like, whatever, she'll hit the end of it and stop her collar busted. And she just kept taking off at this woman. Obviously it was like, my dog's not biting somebody today. So I shouted her name. She completely stopped and came back to me like 100% listened nice but in that moment it was like she's going for this woman that's in our bubble and i don't really understand why Mm -hmm. okay um has anybody talked to you about the difference between your dog's personality and behavior and the reality of you know what what she wants and expectations or no. I'm going to say no. Okay. Tell me more about that. So the reason why I'm asking is because uh, whenever I talk to dog owners about their goals and what they want to accomplish with their dogs, it, ha- it has to be obviously realistic. Meaning if you're like, hey, I have a um, border collie or I have a cattle dog that won't stop chasing um, you know, won't stop chasing things. It's like, I really want to get that gone. It's like, that's, you're not going to be able to get that gone. You know, you're going to, you might be able to like reduce the, the, you might be able to manage it. You might be able to reduce the build, but you're not going to be able to like tell a fish not to swim. So my, my point by saying is, is early on in my career specifically, um, my dog's barking at the neighbor kids ringing the doorbell <laughs> early on in my career. Specifically, I, I worked with a lot of pit bulls, a lot of terriers in general. 
Um, and it's, this, they have this, they have obviously a, a, an insane prey drive. They, yeah. you know, they really, really, really like are possessive uh, of certain things and want to kill certain things. And uh, some of them, and in my experience too, some of them have been also bred to do, you know, really nasty things. And so it, my point is, is you have to be able to, you have to be able to work towards a realistic goal because if you're not working something towards something realistic, then you're barking up the wrong tree, no pun intended. You're just constantly frustrated. You know, it's like, oh, I, you know, if it's somebody wanted to be working out to become seven feet tall, it doesn't work like that. That's not how that works. It, it, you know, it's your genetics, right. you, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of yeah. that, um, just talking dog owners through the process of understanding what your dog, your dog's, um, what your dog's behavior wants to do, what your dog's personality wants to do. So the behavior and personality thing is what I've been, this is the last couple of months I've been explaining it this way has been like your dog's personality. You can't change, but you can change how their behavior is. So again, fish, not to swim, border collie, not the chase pit bull terrier with past trauma and abuse, potentially not to be protective over you or to not like other dogs. I mean, those are things that you might not be able to change because of personality reasons. So you not liking olives or pickles or something like nobody can dress it up. Like, I don't like them. Like you can't, it's just, I don't, Yeah. you know? So that's the first thing is always understanding like what's going on. Like, what do we have on the leash? And so that's kind of up to you to decide. Um, there are yeah. some deciding factors like, again, intentions are really big. So what your dog would have done when she got to that lady, it, that's the only way to really know. Is she, are we being, hey, get out of here? Or are we actually, you know, becoming aggressive? And those are things that unfortunately you have to, bait people into and you can't there's ways to do it with trainers um you know that's an easy way to do it like one easy way to do it is like especially with other dogs is just using a fence i do it all the time at my Mm. facility with like neutral dogs so if we bring out like a staff dog that's neutral meaning we have a dog in a fenced in yard and then we bring another dog out that we're trying to figure out like what are you doing for an example this past weekend in my out-of-state program uh this dog uh, he was really, she was really reactive towards new people, like anybody. And there was a traumatic experience that happened ba- to the dog that basically somebody went into this person's car to pet this dog because he loved dogs so much and scared the shit out of her. And then after oh. that, she begot, she became very, 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 very protective over the female handler. And so what happened was, is I said, the dog was, I mean, she definitely would have nipped me. She wouldn't have attacked me, but she, she, I mean, that's the way it looked in the beginning is she was just like constantly lunging, constantly lunging, constantly lunging. She would walk by me and the dog would snarl, show her teeth and then lunge. And so I said, okay, the only way to really see like the intentions of this dog is to let her go. And if we use like, sometimes what I'll do is I'll use a, um, a cot. So I'll just use like a place cot because if a dog comes after me with that, I can just kind of block them and okay. Yep. She hit the cot, which means she would have hit my leg. And then what we did is we went outside and I let her off leash and I walked out 
and we did this con- consecutively and consistently because the dog owner was like, do you want me to correct her? I said, no, I want to see what she wants to do. So we let her out and every single time consistently, probably five to five feet away from the fence, she'd run, bark, hackles her up, snarling, growling, and she'd stop and turn, stop and turn, stop and turn. I said, okay, this is good information for us because it just shows us that she's just trying to punk me out of the equation because she's fearful of what could happen Hello. to mom. So it's it's always good to know the intentions if you can find out. Uh, like I said before, it's it's mostly it's a lot of times very difficult for dog owners because again, you would have to do it professionally with a professional or have a, have a mistake happen. And then you're like, okay, she would actually bite that lady or something. So, um, what is your overall goal? Um, just to have a dog that I can take for walks to get the necessary exercise that she requires without my mental health going out the window because it's so tough. I don't want to avoid triggers. I've found I've had to rotate neighborhoods probably three to five times um, because it seems as our current neighborhood is just full of dogs on fence lines that are just complete assholes and sit all day and bark and bark. I can train off of them, but it gets exhausting and I'm not making any headway training off of them. So I've had to just avoid our neighborhood. Um, so yeah, goal is just trying to, trying to mellow out her reactivity to a point that I can handle it. I'm hoping that as time and age, maybe she gets better, but I I'm fully aware of her prey drive and, and what is just potentially part of her personality. And I'm okay with that. I just, I also want to understand if there's something nitty gritty that I am doing in our relationship that I could tweak a little bit because, I mean, truth be told, she gets around whenever we've met our male trainers, she's always very, she warms up to them quickly. She's not mm. aggressive with, with new people in the training sense, at least. Um, like if you were to handle her, she would warm up to you in a heartbeat. Cool. Um, but um, they don't, they tell me I board with one of our trainers and they're all great trainers. I have nothing bad to say, but, um, when she boards with them, I ask for feedback, like how she, how she was, she was just with them for a little over a week. And I just kind of get feedback of like, she was fine. She got a little triggered with someone who walked up, but I just keep getting this feedback. That's like, it's a me thing, Mm -hmm. which I'm trying not to take personally because she does respect me. I, I create a lot of boundary and structures. I just don't know if there's something that I'm not seeing because I'm not a professional. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's part Mm -hmm. of the goal as well. Yeah. And a lot of times too, your expectations are going to be way higher than theirs because their job as a trainer slash somebody who's boarding the dog for a bit of time is to keep them happy and alive while you're gone. So if they barked at right. somebody, growled at somebody, reacted to somebody, they're like, they didn't get you, did they? Okay, cool. Good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's something too, like, totally. you know, part of my my job is because I've been doing this, you know, specifically with behavior for so long that a lot of my job is just, um, you know, finding the underlying goals and also realities. And, and I think giving you different perspectives too is important because you'll beat yourself up over those things like, Oh, my trainer, this, my trainer, that, but they don't care as much as you do ever. They care about, you know, they care about helping you, but they, they're not, they're not as emotionally attached. You know, there's a lot of times, especially back in the day when I, I just worked with some really, I don't know, just, it seemed like I was working with a lot nastier dogs back then, or maybe I'm just like getting used to them now. I'm not sure, but I just remember when the dog would leave, I'm like, man, I'm just happy that I don't have to, 
deal with that every day uh, because it is such a challenge and it, it's not it's a challenge for two reasons when I say those things is because the owner may not have the skills like again when my when my out of state clients come in I, I tell them a lot like this is a difficult dog like this is a hard dog it doesn't matter if it's me or season Milan or anybody else this is a this is a tough dog for anybody but then yeah. but then you give a novice or inexperienced handler and it's way tougher so you give somebody like your trainers that you've been working with a dog and it gives them kind of leaves them without progression or it leaves them with you know this is a tough dog and then you give the dog to somebody who's a nurse or a doctor or a bartender whatever or landscaper it's like they're that's not what they do so it's twice as hard for somebody who isn't doing it day in and day out and has this intuitive ability to read behavior. So those are things too, to not beat yourself up over is just when your trainers say everything was fine. It's like, but they're not also looking to solve anything. They're not every day. They're not waking up saying like, are we going to get something done today? They're just making sure that everybody is safe and the dog's happy and that's it. So they're probably not putting themselves into situations and, or oftentimes specifically with, um, reactivity cases, um, that are, um, that are more about the owner, uh, also too, that happens like the amount of dogs that we've turned away from our board and train program, because we just don't want to take people's money and we don't want them to be unhappy when they come and get their dog is we're like, we are not going to see like, you know, that reactivity that you're kind of like same thing with you, except different because, it's, it's probably just a little bit different considering all the training you've done, but people will come in all the time with these reactive dogs and we tell them and they want to give us a bunch of, you know, 5,000 bucks. And we're like, no, we're not going to see any of it. Like they're like, yeah, but I'm like, we, I'm telling you right now, like when you leave this room, we are not going to see your dog reactive for the next four weeks. So you probably need to do something else. So just keep that in mind moving forward, because I think a lot of reactivity and behavior modification with dogs, is is all mental for the owners but i i try to like empower owners to pick themselves up a little bit more and not be so hard on themselves because you a we may be looking for something unrealistic and then you're going to be chasing your tail the whole life of your dog or b you just have to understand that some people get hard dogs and you're doing everything right and you're doing everything that you possibly can and sometimes you're just like this is how it is it does i don't think that's the case i've never I've had dogs that have come through my program that I will say these dogs are never going to like people. They're never going to like dogs, but that's where management comes in. So when you get going back to personality and behavior, when you get a dog that just hates new people and hates new dogs under the context of whatever the variables are, meaning only around you. Okay. So, so, okay. So an example, like one of my clients texted me the other day. And she said, is this dog always going to hate people? And I said, kind of like what you're dealing with, you know, bite history, potential bite history. This dog did have a bite history. And I said, no, she's never going to like people, but I could bring her downtown and she'd be fine, but it doesn't help you because it's like, she's never not going to live with you. She's not going to live with me. She's not going to, she's always going to be around that person that, that she cares about the most he or she cares about the most and until you can change that dynamic and then sometimes you can't, then you just have to manage it. So getting into the reactivity and stuff, there is, I'm glad that you have, you have a lot of uh, knowledge and background 
already about thresholds, uh, spectrums, etc. Like, you know, some dogs are like zero to hundred really quick. Some dogs take an unbelievable amount of time to build up that tolerance. And if you let it play out, then you are the biggest problem because it's so easy to diffuse. But I think also too, I'll be honest. I think the hardest thing for dog owners, once they get to your point, this point is, is a thousand percent, shouldn't say that is the majority. (laughs) I would say 90% of it that I, when people get to this point where you're at is handling so what uh-huh. handling means is it's an accumulation of information you're giving the dog before, during, and after the reaction. And this is something that I hyper-focus on because when you go to a dog, typically like I, I'm historically somebody who doesn't, especially in the last like three to five years, I haven't, I, I don't really touch the dogs because I want the owners to really walk through the whole process so it's harder for me because again, I'm taking a really tough dog with a, not a professional and I'm making them, I'm, you know, I have to make them good in a short period of time. Yeah. So my point is, is a lot of dog trainers will take the dog and go over the things and say, Hey, these are the things, but, you, but unless you physically have that muscle memory and feel yourself or seeing yourself or hearing yourself sometimes make the mistakes, it's really difficult to learn. I, and again, these are all examples that happened this last week. I had a client come in and she was working on the correction, the snap. And we worked mm-hmm. on it for two days, two days. This is the same dog that was, that is now reactive with mom. Mm. And she just couldn't do it. She just couldn't do it. And I remember there was a point where I'm like, put your arm down, put your arm down, put your arm down. And and to the dog, it's like all this information when they're around new people, they get stressed, they get nervous, they get frustrated, they hate yeah. people. So there's just a point where she just walked out and crying and she was just so mm-hmm. upset and emotional because she just, she knew what she was doing was wrong, but sh- her brain and her hand and her arm couldn't do the correction. They just couldn't do the snap. Yeah. And then that's where, you know, depending on your toolbox and the type of trainer you are, I mean, there's limited dog training, which is, um, you know, on paper positive only, which is technically hundred percent impossible, but like somebody who doesn't believe in telling dogs, somebody who doesn't believe in telling dogs, no. And I'm not, and I'm not like saying that to bash. I'm just saying it to like educate you on like, it's not, if somebody says they're positive only, they're full of shit because it's impossible. You put a dog on a leash and they run, you're giving them punishment period. So anyway, so, but then, but then if you have a bigger toolbox and maybe then you can lend yourself to like a remote collar, which I've done, Many mm-hmm. times with like, you know, elderly or again, somebody who's a hundred pounds soaking wet with a 200 pound dog. And I'm like, yeah. I can, there's no amount of training I can do with you to prepare you for this beast of a, you, you got a linebacker dragging you down. I'm like, I don't care. I mean, it sucks. Cause it's like <laughs> technically maybe not politically correct to say, Hey, you're a hundred pound small woman. And this is a 220 pound Connie Corso that wants to kill that other dog. I'm sorry, but here's an e-collar because you're a, you're going to go for a ride. I would, I have, I've had dogs drag me around. I'm like, yep. Nope. Anyway. So, okay. So behavior. Okay. So my point is, is getting down to the nitty gritty of what you're doing wrong is very, very, very likely the handling aspect, which is going to be again, an accumulation of things. So it's your, it's your timing. It's your leash pressure. It's your voice inflection. So what you're saying, how you say it. 
uh, it comes down to your breathing. It comes down to your body language and it comes down to your correction, which is also the timing. But all of those things together are what create like a really difficult dog. Think about like, um, maybe like literally anything, but I'm just going to throw some things out there. Like, like NASCAR or ballet or professional football or anything like you can say, Oh, you're just throwing the ball. You're just going around the corner. You're just jumping up. But the timing and the mechanics of all these things come together perfectly. If you're professional and your timing is like everything and you make it look easy. Like there's people you watch on screen. You're like, that doesn't look hard. And it's so hard. So I'll talk about that in depth in a minute, but for an example, what does that mean to you? That means you're out with your, what's your dog's name? Cece. Cece. Okay. Yeah. Cece out with Cece. Cece heal. Uh, we're healing. We hear a dog behind the fence and then your, your emotional and physical response is immediately boom. You're, you're activated. And to be honest, you're probably activated the moment you go outside. You're already <laughs> like, if we have a hundred percent of like Zero is like sleeping chill and 100% is like having an anxiety attack. When you walk out with your dog, you're already at probably 15 to 20%. You're like hyper alert. You want to do good. Yeah. You're prepared to do good. But in your head, you're still like, shit, God, I hope we don't see an off-leash dog or whatever. And so, mm-hmm. so again, like right off the bat, when you come out of the house, those are things I'm like, put, just breathe, stop, go back in stop (laughs) so these are the types of things again like it's really difficult for traditional dog trainers to help you with and i would i'm not saying that i'm better but i i am different in a way that i coach because i am not in the dog business i'm in the people business i try to like really show Uh you i'm like look at what like are you like can you breathe i'm like oh shit you know so (laughs) so it's like all of those things come together and then you have to be really good at handling so you have to have the right mindset which then your mind goes to your hands, your hands goes to your arm, and then your diaphragm and your breathing and your shoulders and everything's involved. It's it's an incredible, it seems fake the way that I'm saying it. It's like, there's no way there's that much, but there really is. And so yeah. that's like the first place. And I, I would say that that is when people and dog owners get to the point where you're at, that is a hundred percent what you should be working on. With that, with that being said, why don't you, I mean, I can talk about what you should do, but why don't you tell me like your process? So you go out with CC in your neighborhood. What do you walk me through is, I mean, you can get as granule as you want, but like, tell me what you do. So for our, uh, structured walks, we would typically get in my car, go to a different neighborhood. I have places where I can start the walk with um, a little bit of sniffing, let her pee. She's usually pooping on walks, assuming the anxiety part of it. Um, So I try to get that out of her in the beginning. Uh, We'll do a little bit of engagement with some treats to try to just get her to relax a little, engage with me. Um, That usually goes fairly well. Um, And then once that's over, that little 30 seconds to two minute portion, I ask her to heal and we start our structured walk. Um, with the slip, I'm kind of torn and I'd love your feedback. If you think a prong is the way to stick or, or stay with the slip leash and e-collar, mm. I'm a little torn on which one's more effective at this point. Um, but then we start our structured walk. Her heel can be spectacular and it can also be full of anxiety and stress. And I can see her just constantly, um, 
kind of pulling a little ahead of me, just continuing to try to do that. So it's often uh, redirecting turns to maintain heel uh, and then hoping for no triggers. And we have a fairly quiet, calm walk. Like it is possible. But if we are walking and there's a dog across the street coming towards us, um, I've been told to redirect to get her off of that. If I redirect, um, she'll continue to look behind her. When you say redirect, does that mean just like disengage her from what she's focused on? Like, what is yeah, it? just a heel and a turn. Okay. Do you do any of that redirection up until that point? Um, only to get if she's if she's continuing to step ahead of me a little bit with her heel and getting a little sloppy, we'll be doing that for that reason. But up until that point, no, I would say we'd be just walking forward. Okay. So, okay, tell me, like, if she was with you right now, what would you say to her? Like, what would you say to her right now when you were going to heal her forward? Like, what are your commands with her? Heal. Okay. Just so her plain and simple, just heal. Okay. Uh, okay, so when you're – how do you feel your heal is? Like, 10 being the best ever and zero being not at all. Um, I'd say I'd give her, I'd give her a five and a six. Um, lately she's a little bit, again, she just seems a little anxious lately. So she's not staying perfectly like the collar with my hip bone, that precise, perfect heel. She's a little ahead of it. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd give her a five or six. How much does she weigh? 52. Okay. Is she more staffy than Pitbull? Is she like lower to the ground or taller? She's short and stout with a big staffy head. Okay. Couple things. Um, well, first thing is is I uh, I've I've done this you know almost tw- a couple times a day every day for a long time as far as the online's go, and I'm like I'm trying to figure out a best way to do it better. And just so you know, <laughs> what we're doing in the future, uh, hopefully, actually starting this month, is we're doing like this online program, but more interactive. Where because what what I was going to ask you is like I'd love to see it. Uh, and so what we're, what we're doing is like, we're doing like an online portal where I get a lot of success with just talking to people through their issues, but I never really get to see anything. So what we're doing is we're making it more interactive where you would send me all the footage and then we talk, you can do that with the one-on-one. It's just, it's one time where, so just so you know, we're doing that in the future. That'll be really helpful. I'd really like to see this, but what you're, okay. So a couple things right off the bat is you should definitely start engaging way before, you see anything regardless because, and this may be redundant to you. So forgive me if it is, but maybe it's not because you're not doing it. When dogs are so conditioned, obviously they're conditioned animals. Like most animals are, that's what keeps them alive. That's what keeps them happy, healthy, etc. When you're out with your dog and you do a particular thing moments before either the dog sees something and, or moments after the dog starts to react to something, on every level, emotionally and physically, externally and internally. So don't, don't do that. Don't ever pair any type of behavior or cue from you towards the dog when something happens or is about to happen, because then you're simply just pairing. There's a dog, get ready when the dog is like, so my point is, is as a, as a scale. So as you know, when dogs react, there's this um, kind of like this scale, right? So it'll go from zero and then it'll start scaling up like a line graph. And our objective, yeah. well, our objective 
no matter what, is to help the dog emotionally deal with what they're dealing with. But in some cases, again, when there's that personality that's just like, nah, 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 I just, I hate this, then there's managing, which is, it sounds like you've been doing a little bit of both. But my point is, is as the dog starts to scale, going up to like a 10 out of 10 red zone, you're trying to decrease the build before it gets there. And once it gets there, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a social argument slash leaning into a fight. Like once bottles start getting thrown, people start throwing fists, you're already past resolving things, right? But if you're starting to, hey, hey, guys, whoa, 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 let's think, breathe. Okay, let's, let's chill. So as the dog starts to build, your objective is to decrease that build to not have that explosion. So my point is, is the little tiny things that you do to, like if, again, if we have zero to 10, every little click, one, two, three, four matters, you know, because where's the, where's this, where's the tipping point, you know? So as you come out and let's say you see another dog, you hear another dog, or you know that there's another dog behind this fence or something, and you start engaging into a sequence or an exercise that you only do when you see another dog, etc. Dogs are smart. I had this one dog back in my back in the day with a German Shepherd. We tested it, where she, the owner was more reactive to dogs than she was than the dog was, and so <laughs> therefore every single time the dog saw a dog, that's why she reacted. And we tested it anyway. So think about that. That's one little thing. Again, like your dog loves you. CC heel. We're out for this nice walk. She's healing nicely. You see a dog get out of a car. She doesn't because she's like, oh, cool, leaves. And then you're like, Cece, heal. Come, mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you're immediately into, you're reacting instead of pro- being proactive. So your dog is going to go, what's wrong? And then sh- yeah. she's going to look around. She's going to s- smell. She's going to air scent. And boom, she sees that dog. And she's like, ah, that dog makes the person mm-hmm. I love the most nervous right so there's that that's one thing don't start to do your exercises and your dismantlement to decrease build every time you see a dog because it's like conditioning right think about conditioning when you grab your leash your dog gets excited right these types of things Uh it's the same thing with handling like you start to act a certain way your dog's like oh where's the dog i'll get them where are they totally you know so there's there's that the other thing is is historically working with staffies uh, and pit bulls and terriers in general, just terriers are just, they're my favorite breed to work with, by the way. They're just, they're the easiest dog to train because they'll do anything for you, but. He wants to. Yeah. So um, uh, have you done any like tug work, like any type of play other than like, I know Not you did the food. Okay. So I've tried to use fetch and tug in the backyard. I have a whole rope and tug set up through a tree so that she can really go for it. Um, mm-hmm. But not with a professional, but it's trying to outlet that energy on my own. Does she like that? Yeah, she'll do. I mean, she likes tug more than fetch. She'll tire out on fetch after, I don't know, 10 to 20 okay. throws, but she'll play fetch for 10 to so minutes okay. and then get tired. So some things that uh, I've done, perfect example, and I'm going to... I'm always going to reflect back on situations because you can go back and actually see these videos. So the video that I did recently in when I was in uh, the UK, there was a German Shepherd that we showcased the video around. And her name is Laura. And she was really, same way, like she just really was intense, like super intense. 
and it, it was pretty hard to tell what her intentions were, but she wasn't happy. She, she really was pissed when she saw dogs and because of her breed being a German shepherd, she's actually like quite vocal as well. So anytime she yeah. saw a dog, she would just bark and just carry on. It was, it was hard because the vocalization punched through, uh, the reactivity then punched through, which are different things. And she was a bigger dog. So what I ended up doing is I, she was really prey, um, ball driven, so I had this mm-hmm. ball and I would just tease her with it and I'd agitate her with it and I kind of push her off and I make her chase it and I'd held onto it and then she'd crush it. And then what I would do is I would bring her around these other dogs as she was playing with me because her drive towards the ball was higher than reacting towards the other dogs, which tells me that she really wanted to just tear into these other dogs to some degree. I think she was just like, I'm just going to kill mm-hmm. this ball because I already caught this tail. I don't need to chase that. I don't know for sure. I'm just kind of going over it. But that, so I would play tug with her and I'd kind of like pull the ball, pull the ball. And she'd grab it and she'd shake it. And she, but again, it's like some may look and go, man, you're really amping her up around other dogs. I'm like, she's already fucking, she's already like there. Yeah. Like she's already there. Yeah. Like the only thing I'm doing is I'm, I'm taking that aggression and I'm putting it into something so the owner can go, you know, pop the ball with their heel and walk right past. And she's like taking the ball. And I'm like, cool. Because again, that was the type of dog. I'm not going to be, Hey, calm down. No, I don't. I'm not. It's the same thing we had in that seminar with an intact Rottweiler. He was Mm -hmm. super neutral, super cool. But when he was around other intact males, he fired up and like, that's, Mm -hmm. that shit's not going to go away. That's too primal. That's not going to go away. That is like super, uh, personality. So anyway, uh, the, the, the ball drive would be really interesting. That's the first thing I would do with her, like hands down, go into your backyard, put it on a long line, get her fired up on it. It has to be something interactive too. So it can't be just a ball. It has to be something that you can hold on okay. to because again, like, yes, she has a prey drive because of the two breeds that she has in her two strong staffy breeds. So she's going to want to chase in these things. And if you can, outlet that not only outlet it but give like if she's barking and reacting towards other dogs because maybe she doesn't like them okay whatever but then you but we're always like you can't ever have it like you're constantly chasing that tail that you can't have but then that same type of like like she's hungry for it right like she's hungry for i'm like hey you can't have steak but look at this barbecue over here you can have this she's like well this is this is better to her you know so you take that ball put it on a long line you tease her with it she tries like a cat she tries to go after it you rip it across the other side of the room the yard same thing and you get her into it and she becomes obsessed with it she grabs it she doesn't want to let it go perfect you teach her out teach her that drive then when you train with her it only comes out on walks so again if we if we lean more towards management and the definition of management is like, this dog is not, this fish is not going to want to not, this dog wants to go right. Whatever. Then you manage. And part of your management system is trying to overcome your dog's desires with something more valuable. So if she wants to kill a squirrel, another dog, she wants to bite a person because she feels threatened, whatever you're going to say, do you want to play ball instead? She's like, hell yeah. Now, it's important to understand that we're not rewarding the dog for that behavior. We're just offering her the plate of barbecue before she sees the steak. See what I'm saying? Okay. okay? Yep. So that's important. Totally. That is that is unbelievably, uh, like, that's a, like, with a terrier like that, mixed super breed, the absolute first thing I would do is I would say, let's fire up that prey drive with us 
because it seems like if we agree like okay the prey drive is on all these other people all these other dogs can i can i just can i turn that on and off like maybe that's the first thing i would mm-hmm. do get her obsessed with it uh, and then that way when you go out she sees a dog and you go you just draw back cc heel and then she heals and then you go yes boom and you whip out that ball and she's like boom and she nails it and then you just play some tug with her and there's two things you can either hold the hold the tug in one hand and walk past the dog because again it's more like management at this point or what you can do which i have been very successful with with dogs who hate other dogs with with every <laughs> ounce of them is i teach them through what i call constructive avoidance to understand how to emotionally process the the situation because we get so quick to correct and we get so quick to avoid but what mm-hmm. happens when you have that very you know that again like that barbecue on a plate where she sees another dog and then you whip out like her favorite ball and she's like mm, that's interesting cc sit okay and she's kind of ch- she's kind of like looking at the dog and then looking back at you and you just start moving a little bit and you start going like i'm about to this is about to happen. And so she gets, she kind of like, you know, licks her chops a bit like, okay, this, this fun thing with mom is about to happen. And the dog just kind of goes and then they pass and then you go, yes, boom. And then she hits that. That That's like what I call constructive avoidance. So I'm not trying to plow her through the situation. There's a time and a place for that for sure. But it doesn't ultimately help you deal. It doesn't help her deal. Um, so there's, there's that option too is to just like, just play around like if you have that ball just have it and just kind of play with it a little bit move a little bit like you're like it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's gonna happen put it in your pocket take it out of your pocket start moving your shoulders a little bit change up your angles and the dog's like super focused on you and then as the dog is passing you would pay the dog so that tells you two things a it's a it's a drive so she's choosing to like she's hungry, right? If you will. So she's choosing to just, it's not like anything else. Um, but it also helps her develop how to handle that emotionally and obviously physically. But one thing I'm, 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 I keep coming back to is the time that, or the times that she went behind you because that's not, that's not a dog that wants to kill things. Like if, right. If she went behind you at any point, with another dog or with another person that that historically she would you know be like pushy against if she went behind you at that point that tells you that it's it's not a it's not a all a hundred percent like there right balls to the wall it's a little bit more situational and it could be let me see you handle and you're doing you know handling wise everything wrong everything else right you know you got your prong got your slip got your food you engage before you start, like all that sounds good, but there's like, to me, it's half of it. It's like just like half yeah. of that. So those are a couple of things just off the top of my head. Um, and then moving forward from that too, the dismantlement exercises that you have to do to manage dogs like this is also really important. So, um, okay, you're out with her, CC heel. Let's say there's a dog in a fence she starts to build so ears perk up chest pops out like um how do you typically like dismantle that mm. 
Uh, a good example, a week or two ago, we were walking in our neighborhood. I didn't even notice. It was a little black chihuahua behind its fence across the street. Um, she saw it before I did, just one 10 out of 10 right away. Um, in that situation, I just continued to move past the trigger to get away from it. And once we're out of sight, she will sit and I try to get her engagement on me and then reward that. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we are sitting in front of the fence with the Chihuahua, there's nothing that I can do to dismantle that behavior. The prong completely like nothing works. Do you try to get out of the situation and then go back I guess my, the answer would be no, because I'm still at the point where like, I don't know if I go back, I still don't have anything to help me okay. execute like a solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. Yes. Yes and no. I mean, yes and no. Um, so under those circumstances, no. But okay. So here's what I think about this from the point of view of the dog. If, if you are out for a walk and then all of a sudden, boom, there's the dog and your dog goes zoop, right through the roof that's a good like Mm -hmm. that's a good like all right we're just gonna move past we're we are out of here like this is we we got no time for this shit right (laughs) so and it's also not like she's already seeing red so you can't yeah you know that you can't yeah so what i would do is go out of the situation give her you know five minutes three to five minutes to like breathe and then i would go back and teach her and also yourself how to deal with that. Like, because it's like throwing somebody, it's like throwing somebody in a cold plunge without telling them like, Hey, this is about to happen. They're like, Oh shit, get me out. <laughs> right. Like you, you are, you, you, are everything about you just starts firing off. Like you're uncomfortable. You want to get out. This is dangerous. What's happening. Where am I? But then if you're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to put one leg in. Okay. You're going to breathe all you have. You basically have a coach helping you through this uncomfortable situation. Yeah. So, but again, like if you don't, if you don't do that, like if you're just seeing red and then trying to do, trying to work with red, like somebody throwing you into a Michelin star kitchen on a Friday night, they're like, Hey, you've never cooked. Boom. Yep. You're done. Cooked. You're out of there. Just go home. So, but if you, if you take back and you say, Hey, let me go travel the world for a couple of years and I'll come back, you know, kind of thing where that's what I would do is like any type of situation about my facility. And let's say there's an, there's a, uh, unfair or unpredictable, you know, like, again, like one of my clients maybe walk out of a room and I didn't know they were going to. And the dog that I'm working with just reacts. I pull up, I walk away and I say, Hey, that's not regression that we're just not there yet. We're not prepared for that yet. That's, that's okay. So what I do is like when those types of situations happen, don't leave Dodge, go back, you know, block and start. She, she, she knows that that chihuahua is there. Like she knows that. Yeah. But that gives you that opportunity to work towards that dog. And that's what I would be doing again is like that dismantlement is so big. So the three the three different things, have you taken my reactivity course yet or no? No, I thought about it, okay. but I figured I would talk to you first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of this stuff just like more. It's like me showing you okay. too. You know, it's like me actually showing you okay. with dogs. But a lot of it is, is too, is like the, the three different dismantlement exercises that I do is an inside turn, an outside turn, and a drawback. So if you've watched my videos, hear my podcast, you, you've heard me say that before, where the, wherever the head goes, the mind will follow. So as you're working towards this said dog 
or you know, in some cases, a, a person, you would start dismantling. Um, but again, you're dismantling randomly too. So it'd be like, you know, same thing with like people who have a hard time with my dog only listens when there's food out. I'm like, because you haven't randomized your food or your reward schedule or both. So same thing with like dismantlement is you're just going out, you start dismantling, it's already too late. So you go out and then again, like if you start working and CC starts to fixate, if she's on your left, you would turn left inside to her and cut back the other way. And that would... She might look back. I mean, there's, again, there's spectrums of some dogs are like, whoo, I'm over that. And then other dogs are like, where are they? And they're looking back and you just, you got to push through. Um, And then the other thing is, is like an outside turn dismantlement, which is the same thing. You're just taking the dog and turning them an opposite way. And then the drawback recall, which is really helpful when you have play involved, um, because essentially you come out. And you say, Cece, come. And she thinks about it. She turns. And then you flash at the ball. She comes to you. She gets paid. You you have fun with her. But of course, you're doing that out of context. So she knows the end. She knows what's at the end of the roadmap there. She knows she's going to play with you, which is probably, if you can, again, catch, this is the handling thing. Like if she's red zone, she's not going to give a shit. But if you can yeah. catch it before she's like, I think I'm going to just go all in here then you're in. And that's kind of the goal. And what it does is it kind of pushes that threshold out. Again, it's just, I just started getting the cold plunge. So I talk about this a lot, but it's the same thing as that is like, you're uncomfortable. (laughs) You do it for like 30 seconds. And then the next day you do it for 45. And then the next day you do it for a minute. And the thing that was so uncomfortable that you couldn't do for more than 30 seconds, you can now do for five minutes because you've worked yourself up, you've coached yourself through and you've mentally and physically learned how to deal with it. So Mm-hmm. Those are things that I've always been able to do with, uh, and I can send you a couple videos in particular that I'm thinking of of s- some staffy mixes that were pretty gnarly that were not at the they went to group class after because of the things that we've done. But those are really big, especially I, again I talk about that in my course more in depth. But you like the pot the pot of water that's boiling before it simmers over. Like you have to remove her from that heat before she boils over and puts your flame out. Like you're done. So. Yeah. I know it's hard, um, but again, like simple things, like if you're not dismantling until you get to the point, that's like a huge red flag. That's huge because your dog already knows, no, 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 I know what you're doing. I'm in it. Like I'm, I'm doing this, but what your objective is, is do it without that heavy distraction because another dog is a, you know, at the highest currency. So when you're out and you're like, Hey, I have a ball and it's like a five out of 10 and the other dog is a 10 out of 10, she's not going to care. So you have to like randomize that a little bit. And then the other thing is, is like I, as far as equipment goes, I would be going back and forth likely with this type of dog between a plastic pinch collar and a e-collar. The plastic pinch collar is a star mark collar and we're looking into trying to do our own right now, but it's a star mark collar that, um, it's a hybrid between a slip leash and a prong collar. So, um, yeah, get two smalls. Um, you can get them off Chewy, you can get them off Amazon, get two smalls, but you got to have a safety clip. So that's probably why she popped off last time is you didn't have a safety clip. Yeah, I have the safety clip with the prong. Um, but this other collar is a pretty like durable collar. I wouldn't have ever expected it to happen, but that was my bad. Yeah. Okay, good. So you have a safety. Okay. So your yeah. So your safety would be then on the plastic pinch. The reason why I'm saying is because uh, if she was like an Australian shepherd, German shepherd, something with like really fluffy, floofy hair with that second coat of insulator, I'd say prong collar is your better bet. But because she's more terrier staffy mix, um, I would go 
plastic pinch collar. There's two sizes. There's large and there's small. I would probably go small, get two of them, Frankenstein them together. It's like having a 2.25. You're going to have, you're going to have a lot more, um, surface pressure. It's a smaller one. Um, and then again, like I would be also like on top of dismantlement with your exercises, your corrections, your correction of timing is also really important as well. So, um, when, when you go out and she starts to build, you have this little tiny window, this little window where she's starting to like really care. And your objective uh, with a correction is to provide her like snap out of it. Because if you snap her out of her and you correct it, and again, as she rides up to zero to 10, you snap her out of it. She goes back down to a three when she was at a six. And then you say heal or you say whatever. And she goes, okay, I'm going to do this instead. That's always the objective. But there are certain dogs that just redline. But again, there's a, it makes sense to me why she's constantly redlining because when you, especially like for me, I love the fenced dogs that are reactive because you have, you like, that's why people hire trainers is because they can't get around controlled dogs. That's part of the reason why people hire trainers is because they don't have a controlled group. And I'm like, there's your controlled group. You can work against that all day long. This dog's just going to bark. The owners obviously don't give a shit. So like that is huge because you're, you, you haven't figured out a way to dismantle, like you hit the fan and you fail. And so you haven't figured that out. So I would be like seeing that, seeing that dog and then working up towards that situation to make sure that you can figure out what's working. Um, but that correction before you, before the dog builds is really important. And you go, this is like, I can, I know that you know this, um, but it'd be really helpful too, like in the future, if you can send me a video, I can see what you're doing because I'm telling you right now, like that's the missing piece to like my online coaching programs is that's what you're getting yeah. in person is I'm like, Oh, I see your arm right there. Like you, you have to come all the way back here to correct your dog, choke up on your leash, switch to a four foot leash, not a six foot nylon. You got too much equipment on, take this off. And then also like body positioning, because it feels like, again, I've had so many people are like, oh, I've corrected. Look, I've done what you did. And I see you do it. I'm like, does that, I go now, let me, I go, give me the leash, give me the leash. And then I do it. And they're like, holy shit, it's completely different. I go, yeah. And I go, it's not, and, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, showboat. I'm just saying like, until you actually see somebody do it, you know, it's, it's difficult. So anyway. Yeah. So you're done with e-collar sport dog. You're done. What do you? So you're on dog trip, but you're not using it. Are you just on the slip? Yeah. Oh no, no, I love the e-collar. That's on her all the time. I mean, that was Plan B, and it's always backup for safety measures, regardless. So I'm a huge fan of that. I have the dog trip now. Love it. Um, I do wonder with the e-collar. So I've been going from the prong collar, um, and the slip. When I have the slip, her heel can get a little frustrating because the prong, I do like that pressure of a prong. I've been using, and our first trainer a year ago, he would use a slip. And then when that dog, when the dog was getting out of the bubble of the heel, he ultimately was just a huge fan of work the button, which was a little difficult and frustrating um, because that wasn't working either. Mm -hmm. But it does seem to, I'm using a low shock and at like simultaneously as I'm asking her to heel and pulling back on the leash, I'm using that stim to coordinate like more like this is what's up cc heel and it seems to help but it's not quite like nothing's quite working yeah right now she just seems super stressed i know i know i'm with you um 
Okay. Uh, have you uh, have you tried the page the vibrate at all? The pager. Yeah, I use the vibrate. I mean, almost always because she listens so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the heel, mm-hmm. when she's just getting, when she's just anxious and stressed outside, the vibrate isn't quite cutting it right now. I noticed yesterday. Um, do you what what e collar do you have? The Doctra. What which one though? Do you know the model? Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I could look and I can let you know. Cause that matters. Um, the, so my e-collar, uh, the Tom Davis 280C has a really high functioning, it's called a HPP, which is high performance pager. It's a very intense vibrate. So again, mm. uh, as the dog starts to build, there's some dogs that are hypersensitive to it and they'll just like freak out, which is good mm-hmm. when they start to build yeah. because they're like oh there's a dog and they're like what the hell is that and then boom <laughs> now you're inside turn you're in a heel you pass the dog they even forget it happened they're chill so that's really helpful so it, it, it like again these little subtleties like once you and this is just like my experience once you feel and it sounds like you've done almost everything the last step is watching what not just me just somebody who can watch you and you got you need a good coach because there's millions of dog dog trainers out there that are like brilliant with dogs and stuff but they don't know how to coach people well which is in my opinion Mm -hmm. uh, 90 percent of the battle it's like who like you hire a dog trainer and they take your dog and make them look good okay you're supposed like that's your job but you're supposed to be good at this but how do i do that that's really where it comes down to so um because again, those like little subtleties, like if you're if you're timing on that. So as you're working, let's say you go out with her, you start to work, and you start to get close to another dog, or you start to get close to said thing that she starts to build on. Again, like that pager, if you have like a like a pager that's um, intense, you can start to decrease that build. So you go like this as she starts to build, and then you immediately switch to your dismantlement with your handling inside, outside, and then you breeze on by. Um, the other, the other thing before I forget is, um, if you, if you can find that out too, like the, the, cause if the 280C has the HPP and then I want to say the 1900S has it, I think. Um, but anyway, the other thing that's been really helpful that I've recently used or I have been using is, uh, the tune up. So it's like the dismantlement but the tune-up is essentially getting the dog engaged with you as the handler before you go outside so you're basically like testing them like hey pay attention to me because here's the problem and i know that you've already said this is like when you go out and without another dog and without another person she starts to get pushy on that heel or she's her chest is past your legs that's where you're that boom like for me that like if you have a dog like like if you were in front of me right now and you were like this is okay this is my dog i'm okay it sounds bad let's see and you go out and immediately she's disengaged and and she's kind of forging that heel i'm like i don't care why you came here for training i shouldn't say that we can't work on the reasons why you came here for training because of what i'm seeing right here and i know that you've probably heard me say that a million times Great question, or my, yeah. my question yeah. is, am I, and I wonder this, uh, she she definitely respects me, um, I'm not like a wet noodle by any means, but she, 
in that moment with the heel, do I need to be more intense? Should I be doing something more intense no. to let her know? No. Like, because I've heard that. I had a trainer tell me that I could be more intense. Well, <laughs> you, I thought I was trying to be calm and neutral. It dep- no, I, I would, as the question lies, no. But we have to define right. intensity, right? Like, what does that mean? Because to me, it means right. like yelling, getting louder, trying to get bigger, being more forceful. Right. And that's, for me, that's never worked ever. Um, right. I mean, the only thing that's worked like on the getting loud thing is like what you did with her when she ran off where maybe she didn't hear you or she didn't totally. take it seriously. And you're like, you know, CC get back here. And then she stopped. She's like, Oh yeah. shit, I'm in trouble. So, totally. so, so that is that because you're playing, you're trying to put out a fire with fire. So dog gets revved up. You get revved up again. It's like, it's like you're in a bar and then these two people start, and then you come in, you start screaming. Like, is that going to help or is it going to or is it going to make it worse? Well, we can all agree like that's going to make it worse. So for me, it's precision. It's always precision over power. So you have to make sure like as you're developing, um, just in general, like it doesn't matter if it's a puppy or anything, like just in general, if you're developing a relationship, it's important for you to do that tune up to get your dog engaged. Because again, if you don't have en- it's not even all it's not all about engagement but it definitely is on the leash like if your dog is pulling past you after they know heel and you've said heel that's it mm-hmm. like we stop there like again it's it's like mm-hmm. my it's like my golden rule like how I, how have i gotten all thousands of really reactive dogs with bite histories and muzzles and all these things into group class it's like these really simple things. Like so many people are, and I used to be like that too. I used to be more like that. I would try to figure out the proper correction to get them out of it. But then I started again, kind of molding my training and what was more sustainable. And um, so that tune up is really important. You have to make sure like as you're developing, as you're moving forward, if you can't get like when you, I say tune up, it's a red light, green light kind of exercise. As you go forward, and you slow down if she keeps going and you stop it doesn't matter like oh i did this i did that i work with this trainer i'm telling you right now from the most basic foundational thing like you can't change your minds your dog's mind and how they behave if your dog won't even stop with you when you stop so those are the does she's got i mean the red leg that's a good example that's that's helpful do that often on your walks because it it calibrates her it just it syncs you guys up and so again, like mm-hmm. be considering uh, her breed and also the history, she's already going out like, you yeah, know, hunting 100. kind of like, okay, 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 okay. And so are you, you're like, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> yeah. So as you're out with her, like, again, change it up, switch directions. Again, like that's one of those things, like how many times do you turn and go the other way? And if it's like, uh, you know, those are things like you have to do. If you have a reactive mm-hmm. dog and they know your walk, <clears throat> She is in autopilot. She sees the tunnel and she goes down that tunnel until something jumps out at her like a haunted house. You have to make sure that you keep her guessing on her toes at all times because you want her to go, what are we doing next? Because I thought that we were going to walk forward like we always do. We're going to turn around at the fire hydrant, going to come back. And you're saying like, no, we're not. We're changing it up, which will take her attention from trying to find a dog popping out to what are you doing? which is Mm -hmm. again, like just those are the handling things that are super helpful. Um, again, like it's probably another, another conversation, but the e-collar work is also, 
uh, really helpful for dogs like this that start to go. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Which is again, obviously maybe another conversation. I, I don't feel like I can say that the e-collar has been that helpful mm-hmm. with her reactivity. If anything, I, f- I feel like, again, the timing is so tough because her window is so short, but um, yeah, I feel like I've even had moments of walking, seeing a man coming by, seeing her notice him, trying to redirect and buzz her at the same time. And she just, it's almost like the buzz sent her mm-hmm. off. Like, and I've just scratched my head. Like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not winning here. None of these options are really working. Yeah. Yeah, I would try. So I would try all those things uh, that we discussed because I think okay. that's where you should start. Like, if you haven't been doing those things, those are all like the stepping stones to figuring things out. You know, the drive with the tug, the dismantle, yeah. the dismantlement without having to have to dismantle. So that way, it's actually mm-hmm. you know meaningful. Um, yeah, and then yeah, I think. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but like I said, um, I hope I hope that this has been helpful. But and I'm not yeah. sure where you're going from here. But my next, like, w- if you were to say what is your homework, it would say like we have that program coming out. It was supposed to come out this week. I don't know if it's going to, but essentially, it's like a restart program where you send me your footage of you actually doing these things, mm-hmm. and then I can show you and tell you and point out via video. I'm like, see. I'm like, this is perfect because all the things you're doing right now, like you're like, look, I did this and I did that. I'm like, yeah, but you're, you're not, you know, and that should be, so that would be like, if you were to say what else I would ask you to do for me, that would be that next step. Um, but again, like go out and try the things that you're already working on and see, see how it goes. But definitely. Yeah, I'll do that. Do you think that, um, the reactivity course is different from the, what you're talking about right now? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Yes. The, the thing that I'm talking about right now is like, we call, we're calling it like coaching where you send me the footage of you working and then I send you a private message about like, okay, I'm so happy that I, and that I saw this, these are all the things you need to work on. And then, so we talk privately, I think for half an hour, and then we do like an hour and a half group coaching thing where everybody like yourself that are working on these things, I'm going to have a subject of like, okay, Let's use CC as an example here. We've tried this, we've tried that, but look at these three things that are probably clogging the system here. And then, but it's it's more of a, every week we talk for a okay. month. I think we do 30 days or we do a 90 day. So like the 30 days is more like, just like a quick reset. And then the 90 days is like the, the full immerse, like immersion type program where you're working with me every week. Um, but again, like that's just, that's all I can, I, you could do whatever you want. You know, you can find another trainer in person too, but I, I, I just find like over the years, so many people can't find a trainer that can help them or can't find somebody that can help them co- like coach through the process. And that's like my specialty, Yeah. but I'm like, yeah, how can we do both? And that's like, we figured out this way to say, because we've tried this, like if you got up right now, got your dog and started the train, like your your picture is not going to be as good maybe i mean our picture now is great but sometimes like the network and it's like and we're lagging and so anyway um yeah yeah, but the reactivity course would be good too um you know it's it's basically what i talked about it's just like more in depth and i think what you would benefit from is like me pulling videos to show you what i'm talking Mm -hmm. about so you can like yeah 
because what I'm saying, you okay, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. But then I'm like, look, and you're like, oh, okay, that like that that like ends that loop, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, that would, thank you so much. It has been helpful. Um, I see little little things that I can tweak and add, so I'll mm-hmm. start there. Um, and then, are you guys just uh, waiting to release this course? Thing? Yeah. If I were to guess, it's okay. going to come out by the end of this weekend. Uh, because we're really cool. we were gonna launch it last week, but we had some tweaks. We want to make sure, like when you sign up, uh, and we're doing like like a um, you know we're not doing like a ton of people. We're just doing like a handful of people. Um, okay. But yeah, that that's that's gonna be coming out. Um, and uh, yeah, that that'll be the next step. Unless the alternative would be again, if you wanted me to help you and walk through this process, the alternative would be you would book another one of these and then send me 30 second footage of you. And then I can review them before we talk. And then I can go back and say, because that's that I'm just like, so curious to see when somebody, it's a challenge to me when somebody's like, I'm doing all the right things. I'm always like, please let me, let me see. I'm telling you, I, <laughs> that's why I wanted to talk to you. I told my boyfriend, like I, I'm doing everything yeah. I have heard from both of my trainers that my leash handling is great. So I know like I, I just need someone to dissect it and figure out what the problem is. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be the next step. Yeah. I can get some videos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean, it's such a big project, you know, when you're dealing with a behavioral case that's likely stemming from either trauma or personality or both, and then you're doing all the right things. It's like a big, it's a big egg to crack. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people I talk to, they're like, oh, well, my dog won't stop pulling me on the leash and the harness that yeah. I'm using, I'm like, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about, you know, but with yeah. with your yours is like more specialty. Like you need specific coaching on exactly the, the moves that because you got the right equipment. Um, but and yeah. then, you know, yeah. Anyway, okay. Awesome. Well, cool. I'll check those out, and uh, I'll probably schedule with you again here soon. Okay. Sounds good. Nice to meet you. Good luck. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, which means three dog training questions coming at you live. First question comes from CLB963. Excellent five-star review, excellent podcast, uh, and all the material. Keep up the excellent content. How do you properly correct the dog when they are growling and snapping in uncomfortable situations like nail trim? I see a lot of people pet or talk to the dogs. To be honest with you, I don't correct these things because you're just looking to get snapped at and bit at. You either you have you have two options for the nail trimming, like nail trimming, uh, things like that. Like you can't correct that behavior because your dog is like, I'm uncomfortable. This sucks. It's like correcting a kid for crying because they bumped their head. It's not really going to work. It's not fair. So if your dog is growling at you for those reasons, you're just looking to get redirected on. I would either not say anything. Your dog's telling you this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. Muzzle the dog. Don't say a word. Um, or give your dog, give it to a professional because it won't be damaging to your relationship or confrontational to your relationship. That's a good question. Next one comes from Carly J 16 favorite podcast as a fellow trainer. I love listening to your podcast. Always learning new things. Thank you so much. Next one comes from NBD off leash learning so much five-star review as a new dog owner. I really appreciate hearing so many stories with so many different contexts that help me think about situations. I might find myself in with my dog. My dog tank is four years old, 75 pound pit bull rescue. We got him from a shelter shortly after he arrived. He was also fixed. So he's four years old, 75 pounds, big boy. We've had him 
for seven months now and did formal e-collar training. And as soon as, wait, where am I? Uh, Amazon guy distracted me. As soon as uh, we got him, he's very obedient, lives with our cat, super friendly with people, and we've helped reduce his reactivity towards dogs a lot. He's shown both aggression and fear towards dogs, but he's also socialized with some dogs successfully after being introduced with the muzzle. Good. My question is, is I feel like I don't know how or where to safely practice off-leash. Um, the only space that is big enough to practice is a good amount of distance, but still obtain fence. Um, I honestly, there's a there's a loophole to this. I always suggest tennis courts. If there is a school or a park that has a tennis court, you can do off-leash training there. Alternatively, uh, you would just use like a 60-foot long line, like a ridiculous long line. It's kind of pain in the ass, but 60 feet gives you a lot of room where you're not going to... You use a field, 60 feet, and you get a nice, thick, heavy long line, and that's how you do it. It's a great question. Next one comes from K. J-R-I-N-B-O-S, best trainer ever, five-star review. I listen to Tom's podcast on the daily. I have a doodle and 10 months, a 10-month-old poodle that was given to me. Didn't plan on either dogs, but adding the second dog helped the family member. Thank you, Tom, so much. Thank you for the review. Next one comes from Christoph 10 help with e-collar training. Hey, Tom, first off, thank you for all the work that you do and the content you put out. As a first-time dog owner, I've learned so much from you. My question comes from my two-year-old husky. Uh, we have been training recall with an e-collar and a long line. We got through conditioning phases and absolutely no problem. The issue comes when we go to train recall at a place with higher distractions. I call him back with low levels on stim and once he'll happily come back and then, but then won't or break or stop following close behind. He will happily come running back, but then won't break or stop following close behind afterwards. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or I can train the recall where I only get it done once per session i don't know this question i will call him back with a low level stim once he will happily come back i call him back on low level stim once and he will happily come running back but won't break or stop following close behind afterwards um I don't know what this question is. I'm having a hard time on this, Chris. Could you re-ask this? Uh, I'm so sorry. Let, let's, yeah, let's re-ask that. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's you or me or both, but let's re-ask it. I'm, I'm very interested in, in what you're trying to say here. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. I'll answer three more next podcast. Have a good day. Have a good night. Have a good morning. See ya. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc